Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Andrea Carter, a crime writer best known for her Inishone Mysteries, a series of novels based on the Inishone Peninsula in County Donegal. She has written four. Murder at Grey's Bridge is the latest. The books have been recently adapted for television and the new crime series will be shot in Donegal. Now, Andrea, you're writing from experience because your main character in the novels is actually a solicitor running her practice on the Inishone Peninsula. And guess what? That's what you did. That's correct. I did. Well, I grew up in Leash, uh, which, uh, as I always say, is the most inland county in Ireland. It's the only county in Ireland that doesn't touch a county that touches the sea. And when I qualified, I I studied law in Trinity. And uh, when I qualified as a solicitor, I moved uh, to the Inishowen Peninsula where I got my first job. And was that um, the reason you moved there? Because it was, the job yes. Was there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was the first job I got as a fully qualified solicitor. And uh, I worked there for uh, a few years, a couple of years with a, a, another firm. Uh, and I moved back to Dublin uh, to take up a job that I was asked to do in Dublin for about a year. And then I returned and set up my own practice. So like Ben, like Ben O'Keefe, my protagonist and my amateur sleuth, uh, I ran the most northerly solicitor's practice in the country for a time. And you obviously loved it up there. I mean, your descriptions of the region are just stunning. Yes, well, well, I did. Yes, absolutely. And I I think because, uh, as I said, I I came from a very inland county and I came from the Midlands, uh, moving to a peninsula uh, like Inishowen, where I was surrounded on all three sides by sea and I could get up in the morning and go for a walk on a deserted beach with uh, looming cliffs um, first thing in the morning before I went to work. That was very special for me and very unusual, um, a huge change of landscape. And so I appreciated it enormously. Also, though, a brilliant location for a crime series. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the uh, the atmosphere um, of Inishowen, I think, the, the sort of rural location, the uh, ruined forts, uh, as I said, the, the, the cliffs, the wind... Um, I thought was an ideal location for a crime series, for a a rural crime series. So when did you decide to start writing? Was it while you were living there? I started writing while I was living there and while I was running the solicitor's practice. Um, I started writing in the evenings um, when uh, I was worried about something uh, work-wise. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be concerned that there was a right away across a big patch of land that I was buying for some somebody. solicitor issues very that you were solicitor with. yes very <laughs> solicitor um, and so it was a way of relieving work stress really for me at the beginning it was almost like a diary um, and that is probably why my protagonist ended up being a solicitor who ran the most northerly solicitors practice in the country and certainly at the beginning Ben O'Keefe was was nothing more really than a, um, a braver or more reckless version of myself and did you sit down with the idea of writing a book or was it a case of just 
throwing something on the page and seeing what happens? No, it, it was it was very much for me. They were isolated scenes that I was writing um, and it was cathartic. It allowed me to act uh, uh, um, in a way that I would never have been able to act during the day in my practice. It allowed me to say things that I would never have been able to get away with saying. Uh, and so it was it was almost like um, like a fictional diary for me in a way. Um, and so uh, it never occurred to me that I would ever be published at that stage. And none of those scenes um, have ever um, seen the light of day. Right. <laughs> but they were good writing practice. They were good writing practice, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you progress then to deciding, actually, I think I have a book in me? That was a long time later. Um, I I was writing very erratically uh, when I was living in Donegal, uh, the odd scene here and there. Um, and I suppose if you had strung together a number of those scenes, you could have put together some kind of a narrative. But it wasn't really a, a book. It was it was a fairly ragged piece of, of writing. When I moved to Dublin, I sold my practice in 2005 and I moved to Dublin to practice at the bar um, as a barrister in Dublin in 2006. And I brought my ragged writing, my ragged masterpiece with me. Dog-eared manuscript. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I started um, taking my writing a little bit more seriously because I had more time uh, when I was practising at the bar. Um, to I was at a very early stage at the bar. I wasn't busy. Uh, I had more time to write uh, um, in the evenings and I had longer holidays and I was able to write during the holidays. And so I started to take some courses. I took a course in the Irish Writers' Centre. Um, I also took a residential, a week-long residential course uh, with the Arvan Foundation in um, in Yorkshire, in, in the UK. Uh, and and I started, it started to become a little bit more than a hobby, um, right. I think. Uh, something that I would I would set aside to if I had two weeks off I would set aside two weeks to write full time really um, and so yes and so I thought uh, was that because you were enjoying it I was and that is exactly why I was doing that yes because I was enjoying it and I was finding it fulfilling and I the first little bit of success I had was when I wrote a piece of flash fiction which was um, shortlisted for the Irish Times Powers Whiskey um, competition in aid of the Hospice Foundation and that piece of um, flash fiction was published in a, a little volume um, which was sold in aid of the Irish Hospice Foundation and it was launched by Maeve Binchy in a pub in uh, Dawkey and all of us shortlisted writers got to meet her and she was incredibly kind and made this beautiful speech and got us all to sign her a copy of the book and so that was the first thing I ever had published. And, and was, what was it like to... Oh, it was so exciting. It really was. I... I went to that launch along with 39 other writers and it felt like something had changed for me. I, I saw the bug bit. Yes, it, it definitely did at that point. So you were working away then on this, I suppose, this first book as such. So when did you decide to go to a publisher or what did you do there? Well, the book that I was writing, uh, the sort of bits and pieces of scenes that I was writing in Donegal um, and the sort of ragged manuscript that I brought down with me to Dublin ended up being um, the the skeleton of of the second book that was published. Oh, okay. So I finished um, that book, that that Treacherous Strand, which is the second book that was published. I finished 
that and then moved on to write a second book, which was Death at Whitewater Church, which obviously was much better <laughs> or I did, I, I, I improved on, on what I was doing. Um, and I managed through Death at Whitewater Church to be uh, shortlisted for the Irish Writer Centre Novel Fair. Um, and I didn't get um, a publisher or an agent through the Irish Centre, Irish Writer Centre Novel Fair. But it did encourage me to start seeking an agent um, in the UK. And so I started sending out my first three chapters bought a copy of the Writers and Artists Yearbook, started sending out the first three chapters. And eventually, after lots of rejections, I I got this wonderful email saying... We want you. We want you. Will you come (laughs) over next week and meet us? Of course. So I did. I I went to London and I had this fairy tale meeting with my agent, who is still my agent, and she took me out for lunch and I signed a contract. And after that, she uh, worked with me on on the manuscript of Death at Whitewater Church. So the second book you wrote became the first book that was published. Yes, yes, it did. It did. Um, and so she managed, so she, I, I signed a book deal about six months later with um, Little Brown UK, Constable, who, who were then uh, bought by Little Brown UK. And they took both books. They took Death at Whitewater Church and the very, the still very embryonic um, Treacher Strand which I then worked on um, to turn it into a second book. And, and a continuation. To, yes, absolutely. And to improve it as well, because it was it was not. And did it need much point. work? It did. I had, um, I suppose I had the essence of the mystery because each individual book has an individual mystery and the, the story of the protagonist uh, continues throughout the series. Um, so the individual mystery was there, but it was, it was fairly skeletal. So I didn't have to write Treacher Strand from scratch, but I certainly had to do probably maybe 50% again in terms of work on it. Yeah. Was it nearly an accident then that you ended up writing a series? Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yes. So it wasn't an actual decision you made? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, Treacher Strand was the first, the story that I wanted to tell originally. The mystery in Treacher Strand was the story that I wanted to tell, first of all. Um, And once I realised that it was as good as I could get it and I'd kind of been working on it on and off for about probably 10 years and it still wasn't very good, I didn't think, um, I decided I would move on and write a second book. And writing the second book, moving on and writing the second book and stop stopping tinkering about with the first manuscript was the key for me to getting published. It was like a fresh page. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I wrote my second book um, very quickly. How long? Well, a lot quicker than 12 years. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it'd want to be really. Uh, probably about a year and a half, maybe a year. No, a year, I'd say. And were you surprised that it, it was, I was that quick? I was, yes. It, it was much easier to write the second one. Um, and then it was easier to go back to the first one, Treacherous Strand, and turn it into a decent book. And the third and the fourth one then, how long on average are you taking at this point? Um, about a year, uh, Less than a year, really, because my um, I have a deadline each year uh, for my publishers of the 1st of April. Um, my next year's deadline is a little bit later than that for, for various reasons, but um, it's been the 1st of April each year. So I have to produce a finished book by the 1st of April each year. But I don't usually start the next book 
until probably June. So really it's about 10 months it so takes me. A little break. Well, I'm editing the previous book for the, those eight weeks. There's never a break in an no. author's life. <laughs> so it's difficult and, and often there is an overlap. I'm editing book three while I'm working on book four and that can become a little confusing. And how do you find that it can be quite challenging in terms of writing continuations of a series? Mm. Because in one way it's easy, you've got the same characters, just off you go and you start again with Mm. a new mystery. In another way though, you know, you could get a little bit bored or stilted with with Mm. the writing. How are you finding it? That is a challenge. That's definitely a challenge. Um, And at some stage I'm going to have to take a break. I mean, that's definitely the case. Um, It's also a challenge to try and be consistent with your characters. I mean, it's 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 an easy mistake to make to to sort of tell your readers that uh, a particular character can't swim in book two and then find him doing a dramatic sea rescue in book four. You, need to have a good or memory. <laughs> you do absolutely, or you've you know you've you've said that somebody's parents are dead and they walk into the pub in book four. You know, so so consistency is 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 difficult. And um, with Ben O'Keefe, your your main character, she does have a really interesting backstory, which does unfold over the does. course of the books. Yeah, she does now. That arc um, has pretty much completed, that completed really in in book three. three. So it's almost like I'm moving on to a new phase uh, with book four, which I think probably does help in terms of keeping the series fresh that I'm not telling the, the, the one tale through, you know, and eight while books or something. I love the mystery of each novel. I also enjoyed the love interest story as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you've kept that going quite well. Well, I, I seem to have, although um, Neil Hegarty uh, launched my last book for me and he, he did point out that it was about time she sorted out her love life, really. <laughs> And also her eating habits and her sleeping habits. And, and her, her wine drinking habits. Yes, and he pointed cat. that out. Yes. The cat. Yes, the cat. Guinness yes. the cat, who was, uh, who was uh, there all the time as well. Yes. So in terms of, of the plots, so do you sit down and, you know, are you quite rigid in terms of how you plot? I don't plot at all. Not at mm. all? No, really? not at all. I'm an absolutely blind pantser. So... I'm, but in terms of, like, you're obviously writing mystery novels. Do you know mm-hmm. what the end is going to be and work no, your way back? No, really? I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue. <laughs> so how do you start then? It, I just start with a blank page. I'm, I'm 20,000 words in with uh, book five at the moment and I, the characters uh, are are appearing with each um, chapter. But, but but my technique is is a layering one. So what I do is I write my first draft absolutely blind. I have no idea where it's going. I have a I have an opening scene, I suppose, in my head, which often just involves a setting, a place and a body. And that's that's that that's it. Um, And so I just start to write. I just and I write with my head down and my hands over my ears and I'm blinkered and I don't look back and I don't look down and I rocket through the first draft really fast. Is it easier to do that when you're writing a series because you already have the main character and the other characters let's say from the village who are there so really all you need is a body thrown in and then you can try and figure it out? Very possibly, very possibly although with each individual mystery you are introducing new characters and you're introducing a new scenario. You're introducing a new um, theme. I, I've tried to, to use a different theme with each book so that each one isn't about, I'm not repeating myself, that each one isn't about family. Each one isn't about, everyone isn't about economics. You know, so there's a different, there's a different 
sort of motive, I suppose, in each case. And I try to make each one different in that sense. So so I am creating a new story. Yes, certainly my framework is something that I don't have to create each time because I have the town and it's peopled with recurring characters. Um, but what I my technique is to write a first draft very fast. It's very poorly written. The grammar is terrible. The spelling's <laughs> awful. The punctuation's non-existent. The characters' names change halfway through. Anybody reading it would be utterly confused. And usually it's about half the length of the final novel. Um, but for me, it's got the the thread of a story. Going through it. Uh, going through it. And so I leave it for a week or so and then I go back and I start to write the second draft. Not not fresh. I'm editing what I've already written. <laughs> and so by the time I get to maybe the third or fourth draft, I have an idea of how it ends. Each Each draft has a ragged ending until I get to probably draft five, I would say. And then the ending is fairly decent. Again, I can still change my mind. But I was going to say, have you changed the ending? Oh, I have. Yeah, many times. <laughs> but with each draft, the characters become more to life, come more to life. Um, the, the setting gets filled in. Um, the uh, connections between the characters become uh, real to me. I figure out new connections with each subsequent draft. Do I you work in a very visual way? In your head, I think I do. Yeah, it I think sounds I it from talking to yeah, you. Yeah, if I when, once I go back in to write a new uh, Inishowen mystery, it's almost like I'm I'm walking back down the street of Glendara again, and I'm shaking hands with Saying the characters, hello. with the, the recurring characters, and seeing having ask, a cup of tea in the bookshop. Absolutely, asking them what they've been doing since the last book, and yeah, so I. It, it, they're very real to me. Yeah. And do you work every day then? I, I know you're working full time at writing as such. Do you yes. do a nine to five? I, I do not quite nine to five, but I certainly write every day, particularly if I'm in the middle of a draft. I mean, I will I will pull back um, after I have finished a draft. I'll pull back to give it to allow it to cook or fester, <laughs> depending, on how, <laughs> depending on the humour. Exactly. Um, and so I leave it alone for a few days, but I do tend to... Yes, I I feel that, uh, you know, my characters tend to flatten if I leave them alone for for too long, you know. Why do you think you went down the crime route? Um, I don't think I intended to, um, in that the scenes that I was writing initially uh, when I was working in Donegal uh, weren't traditional crime novel scenes. They were scenes involving uh, a solicitor and her clients. Um, there wasn't a body. You know, I hadn't I hadn't sat down and thought, OK, well, I'm going to write within the parameters of the tra- traditional mystery um, because I hadn't decided I was writing a book at that stage. I was simply mm-hmm. writing scenes. Um, and then I'm, I'm not sure at what stage I realised that I that this could be a book that I, I was writing a book and that I uh, and it was, it was a crime book. A crime book. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, for me, it's it's about location. Um, my I've mentioned my grandmother before in interviews, and and, and I think she's very significant in terms of um, setting. Um, 
she always felt that she had the gift of second sight and that she if she walked into an old house she could tell if something tragic had happened there or something violent or if it was a happy house um, and my parents uh, own uh, an old Victorian schoolhouse which was a, a wreck when they bought it and she walked into the house and said this is a ho- house that had happy children in mm. it but yet there was a stretch of road in the Midlands where I grew up and she would drive about 26 miles um, out of her way to avoid this stretch of road because she said something awful had happened there and she didn't know what it was and we never found out what it was. But Intriguing. Yeah, so, so for me, my story starts with setting. It starts with location. It starts with, and all of the books have titles that are connected with a location. Treacherous Strand, uh, Grey's Bridge is an old house. Um, the Well of Ice is is in, inspired by the Well of Ice, Tupper which is at the top of Schlieffsnacht. Um, and so, uh, and, and Death at Whitewater Church. Whitewater Church is, is a f- fictitious place, um, but uh, but it is a place, and and so the the deconsecrated church with the desert, with the forgotten crypt underneath, that's where my story started. It started in a location. It started in a place, a creepy place, and so that is probably why I ended up writing crime novels because the story starts with a place. On the flip side, though, Inishowen is stunning. It could have been a fantastic location for romantic novels. Well, (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure I'm capable of writing romantic novels, I'm afraid. And on that, it's been adapted for television and it is going to be filmed in Donegal. That's brilliant. Yes, it is. Now, it's in the process of being adapted. So... uh, Okay, I'm you're going to have a cameo happy about that. I don't know. You mean a Hitchcockian kind yeah, of cameo? Absolutely. <laughs> we can see you in the background there. And are you involved at all in the adaptation? No, I'm not. Um, so you've handed it over. I have completely handed it over. So, I, and I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, I would prefer to hand it over, and it's a very different medium. You know, I don't write scripts. I haven't. Um, uh, there are lots of writers who who do it very well, who manage to um, uh, move between prose and and script writing. Joe Spain is one of those. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm I, I would be very good at it, and I'm quite interested to see. I th- also think it's very difficult to adapt your own work. Um, I'm just very interested to see what they do with it. It'll be amazing just yeah. to to watch it blind. The, you absolutely. Know? The most important thing to me is that they're filming in an show, and that's, that's and will important. they be using Irish actors? I have no, I assume so. I I absolutely assume so. But again, I have no involvement in the casting process. So that'll be interesting. See see how it all goes. (laughs) So you are into book five. I've started book five. Yes, absolutely. I was working on it this morning before I came down. Great. Any hints, tips? Nope. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I mean, as I've said, it could change dramatically before I end up. And it's a continuation of the series. But as you said, you will maybe do a standalone at some point. Uh, Yes, I have... I have started a standalone um, and so I am working on a standalone um, when I'll get the opportunity to, to finish it. I'm not sure, but certainly it is in the pipeline. Absolutely. And yeah. you've you've come through the process with flying colours of, you know, well, starting yeah. to write or book four. So and again, you know, the question I get asked all the time or is, you know, people are loving and want advice, you know, mm-hmm. for for their first, first book. What looking back now, what advice would you give? Well, I. I think, I mean, it's nothing terribly um, revolutionary, but it it is to keep writing, to to persevere and not give up. And I mean, all of the people whose books you see on the shelves in bookshops, 
they're all the people who, who, who didn't give up. They're the people who kept on writing. And they all had to sit down at the computer. Absolutely, yeah. You just have to do it. Um, read a lot as well. You can't be a writer if you don't read. Um, and also, I think the key for me, uh, and this is also kind of connected with um, Keep Going, the key for me in terms of getting published was to start writing a second book. I think I, if I hadn't done that, I could still be tinkering about with my um, first book <laughs> um, and not getting anywhere. And we wouldn't be getting a chance to enjoy the uh, the Inish Own Mysteries. <laughs> Andrea Carter, thank you for joining us on Inside Books and you'll find her latest book, Murder at Graysbridge, in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books I-R-E. If you want to hear other episodes, you'll find us on SoundCloud or iTunes tunes and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 